0: Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan.
1: Sponsored by InsureMyCars.ie. Low-cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at InsureMyCars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine Sunshine
2: 106.8.
1: dublin's talking sport
3: welcome to dublin's talking sports podcast with me ken doherty and my good friend reggie corrigan thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GEA, football rugby and all the crack enjoy the show and don't forget rate and review wherever you get your podcasts a very good morning to you as well Declan and joe how are you both
4: Ah, good Declan, or good Ken, that's a bad start today. That's isn't? a bad start, Joe, yes. <laughs> How's it going? He was a very
3: happy, Declan, with the Dubs
1: last week. Ah yes, absolutely, uh, Ken. Mission accomplished to qualify for for the semi-final and uh, a really good second half uh, performance. So ab- absolutely delighted to be extending our, our championship run. Uh, all right, indeed. Ken, we want to start yeah. talking to you this morning about uh, football. And, of course, you'll yeah. be very happy during the week with the news that Mason Mount has left Chelsea for, for Manchester United. Is this the start mm-hmm. of the serious Ten Hag revolution at Old Trafford?
3: Uh, I don't think so. I wouldn't be going just on Mason Mount signing.
1: Uh,
3: I'd rather sort of talk to Reggie and Joe about, uh, you know, the the sale of the club, I think, is more important. And I wish it would it would be, hurry up and get through and try and give some more money. We've got to get a lot of players out, I think, to bring a lot more players in, Declan. And uh, Mason Mount is a good sign, there's no doubt about that. Very good player, very young player as well. And uh, he'd be a great addition to the squad. He'd probably fit into the position uh, where sort of Christian Eriksen is, who uh, looked a little bit leggy towards the end of last season. And uh, yeah, but they need a few more. I mean, the contract, certain negotiations with David Aja may be over, and they're trying to bring Anana in from, from Inter. Uh, which is, uh, I don't know what he's going to be like, but uh, David DeHair's been a great servant, I just don't like the way they've done business with his contract at the end of, of what an illustrious career he's had there as well, so there's, there's a lot of problems in the club, Declan uh, but Mason out is a good sign to show, Of
1: course the ownership issue is still very much up in the air yeah. uh, as well which doesn't help really, the situation
3: No, I mean, and that, that's one of the things, we'd like to get this done and dusted and get the new owners in and try and you know get investment into the club but Div, as I said he, he, has a, he has a tough job in his hands targets. there's about 10 players that could be end up leaving before the transfer window and I don't think he'd be able to bring in any more until he, until he sells a lot of players because of the financial fair play rules so his hands are a little bit tired, and uh, yeah everything is up in the air with the sale of the club as well it's been an ongoing saga and players have a lot to answer for you know hmm. uh, trying to drag it out and uh, sort of extend more money from the from whether it be the Qataris or, or Jim Radcliffe mm.
1: And what are your thoughts on the, on the Declan Rice situation at the moment Ken, that's another one that's uh, dragging on a little bit too, between uh, West Ham and Arsenal
3: mm, Yeah, big money, great player he'd be a great addition to Arsenal he would have been a fantastic addition to any club that he would have gone to but Arsenal, I suppose, gone across from East London to uh, North London, not too far from. Him. And uh, yeah, be a good. I know it's striking on. It's probably just personal terms and stuff, but uh, it's a lot of money for him. But uh, I think he'd be able to handle it. He's a class player, you know. I just wish Martin O'Neill would have given him, <laughs> given him a, a, an international cap before he signed over for England. Like, you yeah. know, and he would have been an, a wonderful addition for Ireland. Yeah. Yeah, that it's, was one that slipped through the hands.
1: as the day Jack Grealish did as well. Yeah, leads me nicely into the next one because the next next man I was going to mention was Nathan Collins, who was the most expensive Irish player in history since he was the last time he moved. Um, a great mm. move for him to to, to Brentford, and uh, great 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 to to see him developing s- so well and very not only important for him, but of course for the Republic of Ireland as well.
3: Yes, absolutely, yeah, and it'd be great great for him playing in the Premiership as well, of course it'll be a wonderful uh, opportunity for him and I think he'll gain from it as well Like he'll get get stronger and stronger Mm -hmm. Uh, wonderful player and I'm delighted for his move
1: Well football of course is very much pre-season at the moment a lot of the clubs are back Mm -hmm. uh, this week doing the hard slog of the run 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 that they all hate so much Uh, but very much in season of course Ken I know is a sport close to your heart that's tennis Wimbledon SW19 uh, moving into the second week of the championships now down there and uh Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit, if you can, about this guy Sessepass, this Greek chap who knocked out Andy Murray the other day. He seems to be a phenomenal athlete. I had the pleasure of seeing him in Madrid a few months ago in the yeah. Madrid Open. He's a class act. Has he got the ability to go all the way in this?
3: Yeah, I think he has. I mean, I've seen him play in London a couple of times. You know, at the uh, the last of the biggest tournament, um, which was held in the O two. Wonderful player. You know, he's got a wonderful uh, single handed backhand very talented player. And I think Grass, he likes he does like Grass, there's no doubt about it. It was actually when I was talking to Reggie last week, he was one of my sort of outside tips. Uh I seen him play at Wimbledon as well on one of the outside courts. He's very, very talented, you know. And uh, but it's gotta be hard <laughs> to beat Djokovic. Djokovic is like it's like a brick wall, you know, the ball just keeps coming back to you. Yeah. It'd be interesting to hear what Owen Casey has to say.
1: Indeed. With yes.
3: uh, an amazing performance again by Djokovic beating for Rinka there yesterday and uh yeah, he's got to be the man to stop. The other guy in the, in the draw as well is Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah. Uh, he's world number two. And uh, another bright young player as well. And he's climbed up the rankings very, very quickly. He's a big time player. And he uh, hasn't done very well in previous at Wimbledon, but he, uh, obviously he's, he's a class, class player. And he, he's got to be one to watch as well. But Tissi Pass, I love watching, I must say.
1: Yeah, of course, uh, Alcaraz won, won in Madrid and he would be probably recognised as, as as a clay court uh, specialist. Anything yeah. else catching your, your, your eye in, in the world of sport during the weekend?
3: And uh, now, just, uh, I mean, I'm over in Thailand doing a little bit of work here and enjoying the festivities, but I did manage to watch the dubs, and uh, it was fantastic. And I know, you know, you're going to be talking about it in depth, I'm sure, and about the semi final lineup, and indeed the Hurling as well this weekend. It should be very exciting. But yeah, it was great to see the dubs play so well. Yeah. And particularly in the second half, you know. And, and Mayo, I think, you know, the missed chances, and particularly the open goal as well, that, that should have scored. But, uh, I think the dubs are too strong, and the delight from Monaghan as well. Monaghan had a wonderful win, so it set up a great semi-final as well. And of course, the other semi-final, I think, very, be magnificent as well. But yeah, great to see the dubs play play well again.
1: You have played sport at the highest level, as we know, and you've ups and downs, and you know, you, you, mentally, you're at different stages at, di- at different times. But I mean, if you're Kieran McGinley, the Armagh manager, you know, who loses a third consecutive. Penalty shootout twice in the in the one year. You just had to be wondering what's going on, <laughs> don't you? Really, how unfortunate can yeah, you be? No.
3: But that's that's just sport, isn't it? You know, and uh, it is difficult at times. And you know, when you get those knockbacks, and it's all that's what I always say about sport. It's not about all the victories, but it's, it's the knockbacks that you take and you come back from the knockbacks. Uh, that's what uh, shows what a uh, great sporting team or sporting athlete is. You know, and I'm sure I'm sure that was to be back. You know.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. All right, and uh, mm-hmm. just just going back to 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 Dublin, um, the the Bulls is, is back in it now. They're back in the semi final yeah. next week against Man. And we will be hearing later in the program from uh, Desi Farrell on uh, his thoughts on 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 that victory. Do you do you think that they they are back and have the ability to to go all the way this year?
3: Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. You know, they've, they've brought in you know, Jack McCaffrey is back as well, which is a great boost to the squad. And uh, you know, they've just got quality all round. You know, and even on the bench as well. Monaghan will be tough uh, and I'll, even though they're huge favourites Dublin sometimes that can be cumbersome at times as well that the, the people expecting them to get through that easy but it won't be you know Monaghan will just give them a, a tough fight so mentally they have to be very well prepared for that but I'm sure as you said Desi Farrell will get them get them ready They're they're very experienced but yeah, and of course Kerry the, the other half. It looks like a Dublin carry final, but you just never know what sport. But it's yeah, just wonderful to see Dublin play so well, you know. Free flowing football and goals and points from lots of different players. It was great.
4: Ken, I was I was watching the, the Dubs against uh, Mayo there, and it just reminded me back in the heyday. I mean, they were free flowing and uh, yeah. and you know, big crowd. And uh, I thought Mayo played very well in the first half, but uh, certainly the Dubs came back into it. And I really, I you know, I agree with you and Declan. I don't see Monahan really being up there. Paddy Cole might have something else to say about that, but <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah.
4: he might. But uh, you know, but it's, I suppose it's great to see Monahan into the semi final. Now, isn't yeah. it today, Declan, you probably know more, about they're in the All-Ireland Final, the Miners, is it? Monaghan are playing today Yes, they're. the All-Ireland miners Final. Uh, and uh, uh, Paddy wrong. mentioned this to me because I, I spoke to him recently. He said the last time Monaghan were in the All-Ireland Final was the year he was born, he said. And it's uh, 1939, he said. Mm. So that's what? the last time to win the final. You probably remember <laughs> that, can <laughs> <Ken>, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I do, yeah.
3: I remember distinctly, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so... No, it's just great, as you say, it's a great, it's a great sort of, a, they're sort of on a, you know, they're on a free roll, you would expect. I mean, if I was the manager, of my head, that's what I'd be saying to the players. Look, got nothing to lose, everything to gain, and try and take the pressure off themselves. It's wonderful to get to the semi-final. Yeah, uh, but yeah it's, probably, it's a free free shot. Know, it's, hard, it's one of the hardest matches to actually lose, you know, because... The final, okay, even if you do lose in the final, but just getting there, you're one, one match away from the final. And uh, but I think they've done brilliantly well, and you just never know. The Dubs will have to be on the guard; they'll have to play as well as they played against Mayo because that Monaghan team are very, very tough.
1: I just think on the on the minors, um, they're playing in Armagh tomorrow uh, afternoon. Now, to what just... did I say today? Did I? I'm not sure but uh, again, sorry I point, be the point that I was going to make was <laughs> that uh, they are playing in the the athletic grounds in Armagh and of course traditionally the minors always played before the seniors on All Ireland final day in the good old days that changed a couple of years ago so the CA wanted to take the pressure off under 17s playing on on such a big stage Ken again is that is that right i mean how do you Square that up. Surely, yeah. you, you want to introduce these guys. They're competitive athletes. You want to introduce them to the pressures as early as, as as they can to be able to cope with it when they come into senior level.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's always a good idea. Get them in, throw them in at the deep end, toughen them up. You know, and uh, and they would be better for it in the end as well. For so. Yeah,
4: well, yeah. I can. I can. I'm going to throw Declan in at the deep end now because i to you there, Joe? <laughs> I want to ask him about what's his view because uh, we have the All Ireland Hurling Semi Finals almost in June, but we're just into July. Uh, we'll have the ho- everything done and dusted by the end of July. Is this ever going to? Is this is this the way it is going to be going forward? And what's your
1: view on it? Yes, it seems that it is going to be the way forward. All right, the split season into county first, followed followed by the club. Uh, generally speaking, I'm in favour of it. I think it's 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 a good idea uh, to have, from a club perspective, have all your players training all the time with your with your team in preparation for for games and have your strongest team. Because the way it would have worked before Joe is, you would have played a couple of rounds of your club championship in April. And then it would have gone into complete hibernation until September or October or whenever Dublin footballers were finished, you know. So there's quite a long gap there for club players with no serious competitive action, you know. So I'm in favour of the split season. I think they need to have a look at the structure of it again in terms of stretching it out a little bit more to be a little bit more um, favourable or not favourable, but be more um, equal, if you like, across the board in terms of the, the gap between matches and things like that. But definitely... It is here and it is it is here to and, stay. But as
4: a kid I always remember my dad we go you go to Crow Park it's the first week in September it's the third week in yeah. September yeah. and yeah. that was that's kind of inbred there's the semi-finals in August you know yeah. what I mean yeah. and it's all kind of alien at the uh, moment.
1: It does it does take a lot of adjusting to alright absolutely this is the second year of it you know and as you say it'll be all over on the, on the 30th of July in the women's finals on the 13th of August yeah. and then you you know, you've got so much the Premier League is back and GA has no serious focus then a- after that it loses the the, mm. the
3: you know, but and Joe, Joe, was probably going to a Crow Park those days on a horse and cart. <laughs> his, fa- his, fa- <laughs> his father
1: lifted him over He's the turnstiles. We, <laughs> we used to Put get. Forward, so I
3: think it's a good idea
4: myself. Yeah, we used to get the tram from Holt, and then <laughs> 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 that's, <laughs> that's where we did it. And uh, that's right. <laughs> but listen, uh, Ken, did you um, the, the, the the girls in green are off uh, now to Australia. Oh, and um, I, I think they got a bit of a reality check on Thursday at the Friendly, you know, which mightn't be a bad thing because it kind of lowers expectations. Yeah. But w- w- what are your thoughts? Uh, because they have a very hard group and, uh, and of course, there's a little yeah. bit of controversy around Vera Powell as well.
3: Vera Powell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think she's handled it pretty well. You know, she seems like a really good manager and she's tough and strong and... Uh, she's got a great bunch of girls there as well, going. It'll be great excitement for the country, you know, to support them. Uh, I think they've got some very talented players there, and uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be brilliant for watching it. And they are in a tough group, but uh, it was great for them to qualify. And uh, fingers crossed that they're going to do it really well. I'm really uh, looking forward to watching it. To be honest, you know.
1: Ken, what about all this controversy surrounding uh, Vera Powell? More so the timing yeah. of it being reignited um, the week of the, their travel to uh, Australia for the World Cup. We saw, mm. I don't know what you would have seen a, a very frustrated Katie McKay with a press conference the other day. said, thanks for talking about the World Cup, guys, kind, kind of thing. Um, the timing yeah. of, of, of all this at this moment, what, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, it's, it's not fair, is it? It's not fair, unfair she refutes any of those allegations that, that happen in america uh with our players like calling them overweight and and uh, you know just sort of discriminating against some of our players but she's totally refuted she's got her, her own solicitor we've been reading about it you know trying to defend herself but yeah it's a timing of it and for the girls the irish girls as well it's not great for them you know But the that's sometimes what happens, you know, these these are always brought up at the worst possible times and sometimes the journalists are very, very clever in doing that, you know, but it's not fair on the teams, not certainly not fair on on the Irish girls as well, trying to prepare him for the world cup.
1: Owen Casey, former tennis professional, joins us on the line to speak about the events at SW19 this week and indeed what may be coming up next week as well in the final week of the Championship. So very good morning Owen, thank you very much indeed for taking our call this morning
6: morning, Declan.
1: How are you? Oh, very well. I'm, I'm, I'm like a child in a sweet shop at this time of the year, yeah. uh, Owen, because I absolutely love tennis Wimbledon, and I have a, really enjoyed the week that we've had uh, so far. And I was talking to Ken there a little bit earlier on about Sissipas, the Greek magician, as I like to call him, and his yeah. vic- his victory over and Andy Murray. Um, I asked him, did he think he could go all the way? Do you think he can go all the way in this tournament? Um, I don't
6: know. Uh, the top half is very, very heavy. Um, You know, Medvedev is still there. Uh, Tommy Paul, a guy called Lehekech from Czech Republic. He made quarters of uh, Australian Open. Chris Eubanks, he played. uh, Nori yesterday, big American lad. Um, And then, obviously, you've got Alcaraz as well at the top. So, it is a very... uh, Sorry, Alcaraz, Zerev, Berrettini, TFO, Dimitrov, Rooney. The top half is stacked. The bottom half is not that stacked at all. Um, So, I think... You know, five sets with um Dominic Team, five sets with Murray, it will take its toll. So I don't know if he will go all the way.
1: Right. And of course Novak Djokovic, I mean the, the ultimate goat in many people's eyes, um, as well, looking for another Grand, Grand Slam title. Did I see a stat there during the week? He's won thirty one consecutive games at Wimbledon or something like something yeah, remarkable like that,
6: that. He hasn't he hasn't lost a, a centre court match in ten years. Wow. So every time he's on center on court, he wins. I think it's kind of becoming his home. Um, and, yeah, look, I mean, he's, he's untouchable on the surface. Uh, he's, his return's very good. His movement is extreme. Uh, and, again, watching him against Valvinca last night, Stan, very good server. Now, probably has dropped the level a little bit, I think, because he's had two knee surgeries. But still, has like Stan's serve is huge. But Novak makes it look like he's playing a junior, even though he's not, Um and I guess when you're down the other end, you know if you don't put a first serve in, you're going to have to work very hard for this point. And I think that's what Novak does. You know, he he keeps asking. You know, he keeps making you ask a question. You know, can you keep doing this over and over again? And that's what he does. He does it just so well.
1: Yeah. So it'll be no surprise if he was lifting the famous trophy next uh, next Sunday afternoon on Centre Court.
6: No, I think so. I think um, you know. You I mean, would Alcaraz be him on grass? Like, this is Alcaraz's third tournament he played. Didn't play Queens last year, played Wimbledon, maybe lost first or second round. Played Queens this year, so this is the second time playing on grass. Won us. So, I mean, he's getting used to it, but I don't know. I mean, it's hard. Like, Novak's what? He's been in 32 grand slam finals. So, you know, know, it's it's all very fine getting to a final. He's still got to win it, and he's used to winning it. So... Um, I I don't think you'd be getting too many good odds from Bookie's... him to lose put
1: it that way well whatever about Djokovic off the court which is another issue altogether and not, not here to talk about that I think on the court you just have to you know admire the, the, the greatness uh, of, of the man it would be interesting to see if he can indeed go all the way one man who won't be going all the way because his tournament ended prematurely was uh, Andy Murray the bionic man of British tennis if you like um, he had that epic game with uh, Ceci Pass, all right but uh, just unfortunately came out on the, on the wrong side of it but British tennis seems to be in a pretty good state at the moment judging by the quality of the other players coming through on
6: uh, yeah I think Andy was lucky that the match I, you know you look at these matches I'm a little bit cynical I see him going on last match I'm thinking okay he'll get three sets in and then they'll call it with the roof uh, that'll give him a break and he'll come back the next time and you know people probably think he would probably be down more than up that third set he played the other night was the best set of tennis I've seen him play since maybe the Olympic finals or even maybe Wimbledon. I've never seen him hit the ball so hard. Our serve, the serve is outrageous. And I think, I think if he had continued, I think he would have won it. Coming back the next day is different. So, um, you know, it's a bit unfortunate for him. It reminded me of Henman when he's playing against Ivan and beating him and then obviously he had to come in for the rain and they played the next day and then Goran just destroyed him. Um, but with regards to British tennis, I, I think like Norrie's struggling this year. Um, and that's because I think everyone's figuring him out. Nori is pretty defensive as a player, and a lot of these players are very aggressive. Um, and I know uh, Liam Brody had a great Wimbledon. Um, but like when you take these guys out of Wimbledon, they don't really do a whole lot after Wimbledon. Um, obviously, Andy's done a lot, an awful lot. I, and uh, Nori has too, but I think everybody's figured Nori out now. And Nori's going to have to do something to... Not reinvent himself, but he's got to change his game up. Um, and I think that's where the Coaching will probably have to come into you. Know, he might you might find you'll switch coach maybe next year, get uh, a different voice because you mean we're the same coach now for the last maybe 10 years, yeah. So, I, um, I think you'll have to change that.
1: I use the football parlance, you know, of a team who was completely dominant in the first half, you know, of a game in, in front, yep. and they don't want half time to come because it breaks yep. the momentum. And that's what happened to, to Murray with that call to call it off. It was 22 11, I think, she called it off the, the, the umpire yeah, they did the other night. That's yeah. what was amazing about.
7: It.
6: Novak last night. I was texting a couple of my friends saying this was not going to get done because they're going on at nine o'clock. It has to be done by eleven. Yeah. So the beat stand. <laughs> he actually beat him in an hour and fifty. That's ongoing Very good. i um Whereas Andy started much earlier um, on on, on uh, Tuesday night or how, Wednesday night.
1: Sorry. How are things shaping up in, in, in on the ladies' uh, scene at the tournament? Oh, man oh. the
6: ladies. I mean, you know, Sabalenka wasn't there last year, obviously because Russia was banned. Uh, Schweizer lost relatively early, so she's going strong. She's a touch, she's a tough one against Benches. Benches is kind of one of these players that you could lose against someone very well, it's very lowly ranked, or she could take a seed out. So I think um, you know that's going to be a tough match for uh, Schweizer. And then Azarenka and Svitolina are in there. Svitolina just had a baby with Mafi. She did really well at the French Open. She's been kind of out for a year. So and then Pergula, There's a lot of top. Top players and in, 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 good players in the top half of the draw, and then you have Angie Burr. She's playing Andrescu with the Canadian lady. She's really, really good. Um, and then you have uh, Rabakina who won it last year. Oh, sorry, Rabakina. Rabakina. She won it last year. She's down the bottom half. So it's the ladies. Are very. You know, I think the men's a little bit more predictable. You'd probably say definitely Novak plus one. I wouldn't know like Svitek given. In fact, if she lost last year, if she made finals last year, I'd be thinking, yeah, okay, she'll do it again. Mm. And Nev was very good the other day against a French girl, big serve. You should play beat her in straight sets. And Cornise is very tough. She's generally a, a seed killer. So, And she's got a huge serve. So I'd probably go with her definitely for the final maybe. Um, but again, it all depends on her serve. I think without the serve, like she's a very tall girl. But without the serve... Um, it would be a
1: different match I tell you I was very disappointed in Maria Sakari. I expected a lot more from her I saw her in Madrid there at the Madrid Open a while back and uh, she looked relatively good and that ok that's clay and we're playing grass yeah. but she disappointed uh, exiting the the, the 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 first round so Owen um Next Saturday and Sunday, the finals will all be glued to them on our television. Call the, the, the two winners of the famous gold trophy for the uh, men and the plate for the women. one
6: for sure. I'll okay, yeah. go with Novak. Yeah. I tell you, I'd love to see the girls as long as
1: Oh, yes, I, I agree. Her, I
6: love the way I look. I mean, she's called the minister of happiness in her home country. She's such a, I mean, she's always happy. I think she is very humble. Um, she appreciates what she's trying to do. Uh, she was so close last year. And maybe sometimes you got to go twice before you get your victory. So I'd love for her to do it. Whether she, whether, whether she'll do it or not, I don't know. But there there would be definitely Novak, I think. But uh, for me, if, if I had a tenner, I was going to bet it. And I would say, right, i will go on to because I just love for her to win it. But whether she will or not, um, it's it, it's very tough to call the lady. very very tough.
1: Joe, you were keeping an eye, as you said earlier on, on developments in the SSC Electricity League last night, and one common denominator in a lot of the games was late, late goals.
4: Yeah, well, um, as you know, Declan, or or maybe you don't know, I'm probably one of the few Northsiders that follows the hoops, Shamrock Rovers, you know, (laughs) get myself into terrible trouble. Uh, But uh, anyway, um, I I, I suppose uh, we should start at the, uh, the... the big, well, for me, I thought it was a great match, the Bowes dundalk match, because it looked like for a long time Bowes were in, in, in trouble there. So uh, how did that go? Yeah, you? they
1: were trailing 2-1 at home to Dundalk and they got an equaliser after 83 minutes, a game on, and then the, the players, it seemed, on the pitch at Daily Mount fed in on, on the tremendous energy that was being created by the fantastic support that they have in the Jody stand and the Des Kelly at Daily Mount as well. And uh, Jonathan Afolabi, who had scored a couple of weeks ago, got a, got a fine goal to win the game and literally lift the roof off the place, I believe, there last night. So that was a very important win uh, for Bohemians. The recent form had, had, hadn't had been great. Performances were okay, but they weren't getting the results. But last night, they got the performance and ultimately the result, which is the most important thing. Now, the thing about them, Joe, is the teams above them are all in European action over the next uh, couple of weeks. But Bowes actually have two games in hand. So I know you can say points on the board is the thing, which of course it is, but if they could get the six points from the two games, it makes it very, very interesting at the top. It certainly
4: does. Um, Another late, late winner. uh, We saw Derry at home to Sligo. Uh, they, they seem to be you know, doing okay, and then, uh, well, you can tell us what happened. Yeah,
1: they had a little bit of a distraction, I think, perhaps <clears throat> during the week with the uh, possibility of Rory Higgins, their manager, going to Barnsley in England. Uh, that didn't materialise, so they, they played Sligo last night, uh, missed a penalty, uh, and they actually won the game with, with a second penalty, five minutes into stoppage time. Yeah, so if you're well. Sligo and you travel all the way to Derry, you're hanging on for a point. Um, to bring back down the road with you, then the referee awards a second penalty and they score. It's just heartbreaking from a Sligo point of view, but very, very important from Derry's point of view to be able to keep on Shamrock Rovers' coattails because they're still, what, four points behind them at the moment.
4: Yeah, and on the subject of Rovers, uh, no score last night. And uh, I wonder, were they, uh, were they keeping an eye on the, I suppose, the uh, Champions League on Wednesday? I think we have Alan Coley on the line. Good morning, Alan. Morning, Joe. Morning, Declan. Morning, jo- uh, Al. How you doing?
2: Good, thanks.
4: So, uh, we were talking about the the, the the late, late show from Bohemians and from Derry. Um, tell us um, about Rovers against Drawhody. Do you think Rovers ha- ha- have an eye on the Champions League match?
2: Maybe we should stay away from the late, late show for the time being, Joe.
1: Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't, you? Morning, Joe. Um, yeah, I was in Daily Mount last night, Joe, and um,
2: it was a brilliant match. Bohemians actually started really well. The first 15-20 minutes took a deserved lead. Then Dundalk got a goal totally against the run of play and got a foothold in the game and gave them a bit of confidence. Then they went on and got the second. And the second half, they were kind of huffing and puffing. Bohemians had a lot of the ball and you're thinking, where's this goal going to come from? And Declan made a couple of substitutions and one key one with James Clark who came on and made a huge difference. Absolutely brilliant he was, driving them forward. Um, and they got their equaliser, and then a couple of moments later, James Clark driving from midfield played a lovely pass to Falabi, and they got the winner. So uh, great scenes in Daly Mount, massive win as well for them because they hadn't won in nine before that. Or I think it was one win in nine. So there was a, there was there was a tension amongst the crowd as well, and I'd say for Declan as well, he was probably feeling the heat a little bit. But it was a massive, massive three points for them.
1: Yeah, we spoke about James Clark before and indeed Offalabi as well in terms of getting more from his game and he seems to be just coming into form just at the right time and I made the point there Al before you joined us that um, Bows do have the two games in hand OK, they have to pick up the six points of course but they have, if they can do that they're right back in the mix for for European football for next season
2: Yeah, absolutely Declan and I think that was the expectation at the start of the season was to get into Europe for them and obviously they got that brilliant start and people probably to get carried away a little bit thinking are we in the title uh, race I never felt that myself to be honest but if, as you say if they win the two games in hand they're only three points behind I think Shamrock Rovers but I still can't see them winning the league but I think for, from Declan's point of view in the first year considering the turnover of players as well I think if they were to get into the European positions that would be a good return for Bohemians and build from there
1: And from a Shamrock Rovers perspective how with the poor start that they had to the league campaign to be now still four points clear at this particular stage um, says a lot about the overall league in general doesn't it? The, the, the yeah I would it.
2: think so Declan because they've slipped up numerous times now again last night and that's the, the third time to have played and I've mentioned numerous times about as limited resources and we all know what the budget is there and Sharma Rovers haven't beaten them once yet they've taken five points off them draw it out of nine so that kind of tells you where they're at as well and despite the fact that they're in the league they're four points clear I think it's a reflection more on the other teams that haven't been able to capitalize and I know Pats were on a brilliant run and trying to close them down but then again they slip up last night in the 94th minute with a equalizer from Cork City so even though Shamrock Rovers haven't hit the heights that we expect them to hit and that we know they're capable of hitting they're still fairly comfortable at the top of the table.
1: That was our second visit to County Loud in the space of a week. They were up there against Dundalk last week and they have to go back up there, I think, next week, don't they, for the Cup game after their Champions League game on on, on Tuesday night. Speaking of St. Pat's, I was at at Richmond Park last night and great atmosphere and they were very, very happy until the 93rd minute when Rory Keating uh, popped up with that late, late um, equaliser for Cork City, which was uh, invaluable to them as well, of course, uh, trying to keep pace with, with Drogheda in the race to avoid the promotion relegation playoff.
2: Yeah, it's a huge point for Cork because it's fairly tight down there with Drada and Sly Rovers have been dragged into it and they got beaten again last night. And Drada we expect to be down there, but Cork as well probably expected a little bit better and obviously he lost Colin earlier in the season. Liam's come in and done quite well. But that was a huge point. And Rory Keaton has showed up really well for them, Declan, this season. I think he has five or six league goals and he's done really well, but it was a big hammer blow at the Pats because I think in the previous eight they'd won six and drawn one and lost one. And they were really putting the pressure on Sharmac Rovers and for us and for the good of the league we wanted to see them maybe get the three points and put more pressure on them because that's what we want is a tight race but that was a hammer blow to concede in the 94th minute.
1: And, of course, Pats have Europe on their mind next week as well against a team from Luxembourg. We wish John Daly uh, and his team, and indeed all the other League of Ireland sides in Europe next week, all the best as well. One side who won't be playing in Europe uh, next week is Shelburne, of course. Uh, they were at UCD Bowl last night. Pretty routine 4-0 victory at the end of the day against the students, Al. Yeah,
2: routine and UCD are the whipping boys for everybody. Um I think the, the most disappointing thing for, for me was that the Beach overs Rovers a couple of weeks back, and when you think they've lost to everybody else but the Beach overs Rovers, that was disappointing. But good win for Shelburne, 4 0, expected as well. They don't score a lot of goals, so to get four on the board is good for them and, and they can look upwards in the table rather than behind them.
1: Yeah, sometimes those games can be very, very tricky if you're not clued in 100%, you know, and the attitude is not right, you can get undone. But to go out there and get that type of result is, is important.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because UCD, as we've seen over the years, Declan, they're a match for most teams. I think this year, though, to be fair, because normally what happens, they always have two or three really good players and then they get taken away from them. I'm not sure to have those two or three this, this year. It's probably one of the weaker UCD teams. Um, and that's why, obviously, they're not even a match for teams this season, unfortunately for them. It was a huge achievement just to stay up. And Andy Myler did brilliant to do that. But I think they're finding it a lot more difficult this year.
4: Uh, finally, uh, Alan, the ladies are off to Australia and uh, they had a bit of a reality check on Thursday in the friendly against France. Uh, how do you think they'll do?
2: Yeah, it's a good question, Joe. Hopefully they, they do really well and give a good account of themselves. That's what I'd be expecting. I suppose the hope is that to get out of the group with the face stiff opposition. And you say that was a bit of a reality check to, to something like what they're going to meet over in the World Cup. And France were absolutely fantastic. I thought the first half, Ireland did quite well. Contain in containing France, the odd, the odd threat and breakaway, but I felt the second half, they, were, they really struggled to get out of their own half, and France pinned them in for large periods. What they'll be disappointed with more, I think, was the concession of the goals, because they were, they were sloppy enough, the soft goals that they conceded, even though France had loads of the ball. But I hope to give a good account to themselves, Joe. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, two or three weeks when when the tournament kicks off obviously Thursday week and I think I want everyone to get behind them in the country and I think everybody will because it's a historical moment to have a ladies team obviously competing in their first World Cup it's going to be absolutely amazing and for all the young kids tuning in and especially young girls as well just giving them I suppose a glimpse of what hopefully they can achieve in years to come and hopefully becomes the norm rather than the exception
4: And they've also got a new song, I believe, a fella called Owen Thomas and the Dublin City Ramblers. Come on, you girls in green, is being released. So that should be a bit of a boost for them as well. I haven't
2: heard the song yet, Joe. I was thinking of releasing one myself, but I leave it to to the Rambler
4: lad. Well, I I could tell you we'll be playing it. uh, I'll be in for Paddy Cole on the Paddy Cole show and Paddy will be making a bit of an appearance tomorrow as well. So we'll be playing it on that show, uh, um, Alan, that's for
1: sure. Brilliant.
2: Uh, no, it's great. It's going to be a great couple of weeks, Joe, when it when it kicks off, and it's like, I suppose, the women's Italian ninety moment, and hopefully, as I say, the whole country gets behind them. Even I know out here at the local club in Port Marnock they're setting up a a watch and view kind of thing, you know, for all the kids to go up to the leisure centre and watch the match together and all. And there's a lots of that stuff going on around the country, and I think that's brilliant
1: great stuff thank you very much indeed to Alan Cawley there just want to mention one man this morning for me Tommy Trainer, the former League of Ireland referee rang me this morning from St John's Ward and the Matter Hospital he's on kidney dialysis there the best wishes to you Tommy and your fellow patients uh, Com- thanks, thanks for that Alan cheers Thanks, Alan. Cheers. competition winners Declan Costello in Skerries and Lawrence King in Ashburn both of you are on your way to the Galway races that's all I think we've got time for this morning on Dublin's Talking Sport here on Sunshine 106.8 with thanks to my van.ie very big thanks to our producer Jane McNamara I'd also like to thank all our guests who joined us on the show today we'll be back at the same time next Saturday morning at 8.30 so stay safe and enjoy a great sporting week Joe just before we go
4: I'm going to ask put you on the spot again uh, yes I'm going to put you on the spot again in the semi-final today who do you see winning it
1: A semi-final of what uh, the hurling the hurling the, <laughs> the hurling <laughs> uh, go, uh Limerick going to turn our attention now to GAA and uh uh, two special guests in studio this morning Well one special guest and one guest Sean Lane is with us as, <laughs> as he is every week Giving his opinions Interesting to uh, get that um, but betting slip For what he says later on In the two hurling matches Joe yeah, He's always good for a, for a bet Sean Lane is with us And also delighted to be joined by Kieran Hederton The legend known as Hedjo uh, Who was a selector on the Dublin team That won the Leinster Hurling Championship title Back in 2013 Ten years ago yesterday I believe It was Kieran is here to share his thoughts and memories of that a great occasion. And we'll also be joined too, I believe, hopefully, by David Dotsie O'Callaghan, a man who scored four points in that defeat of Galway that particular afternoon. We're going to start, though, with uh, last Sunday and uh, Dublin. Powering past Mayo to qualify for the semi-final of the Senior Football Championship with a tremendous second-half display in Croke Park. They now will return to headquarters next Saturday evening at half-past five to face Monaghan in the penultimate round of the Championship. So, what did Dublin boss Desi Farrell make of it when he spoke to the media afterwards? Here's what he said.
7: Yeah, we, we I think we passed the test, uh, but that's only the first paper. Uh, Not even that. Um, The I I definitely think it's probably tough on the teams that had the back-to-back. You know, um, being in a position of having two weeks, so you can fully recover. And it's not even physically; it's probably more mentally is the challenge. uh, And look, that's the nature of the competition. Um, There was always going to be an outcome where some were getting the rest and some weren't. You know, but uh, that probably impacted Mayo and we need to calibrate our own performance based on um, that fact as well you know but but definitely uh, there was a lot to be pleased about uh, but I just have, I urge caution in terms of um, uh, getting carried away because uh, I, I just think that was probably a significant factor particularly in the second half for Mayo yeah it, I think we just knew we hadn't really performed that well we were happy to be a point up at half time um, not having gone great and knew there was there was much more in us and uh it was just a case of you know trying to liberate ourselves a little bit and throw off the shackles and and play front foot football and the lads are good at that and they get into their flow when it happens and that first period of the second half uh, was very productive for us and uh, we were very happy. And no, it's it's definitely psychologically um, because we've been saying it internally I've been saying it to you that we haven't been properly tested and that's in no way disrespectful to, to anybody else that we've played this year but it just it hadn't been pure knockout you know the league final was a There was a bit of silverware at stake, but both teams were promoted, and it still didn't have that real sort of competitive edge, that championship edge. But but from from this game on, quarterfinals on, that was it. It was full bore and. uh, and it was always going to be. I was going to be very curious to see how we perform in in that type of under that type of intense pressure. Given that we hadn't experienced it, or um, and the fact that the quality of the opposition maybe earlier in the league, uh, early in the the season, the campaign uh, wouldn't be what you're facing at the business end now. So, um, so yeah, I think psychologically it's it's probably helpful. But um, I, I I do emphasise again that. Uh, we've we've just won a quarter <coughs> final we're into a semi-final i, I think mayo probably just weren't at themselves today and um it's the jury is still out shall we say you know. yeah monaghan knocked us out of division one last year so um we're uh we know what they're capable of and and they'll become the crow park uh with absolutely nothing to lose you would have thought Um I was impressed with them yesterday, I have to say, how they showed great resilience and and dug in and um, ground out that victory, um, when at different stages you you, you thought Armagh would have kicked on, but they weren't allowed.
1: Desi there thank you very much indeed for that uh, speaking to us after the victory over Mayo last week 5.30 next Saturday evening at Croke Park against Monon full preview on the programme next Saturday morning now going to turn our attention to uh, Hurling for the moment and Ballybowden St. Enda's captured the go-ahead Adult Hurling League Division 1 title on Wednesday night 20 points to 112 victors over Nafina at O'Toole Park in Crumlin uh, great stuff from David Curtin's uh, charges there to win the title and a great confidence boost ahead of the start of the championship in a couple of weeks oh, tough opener against Oliver Plunkett's own on be said well what did the Furhouse Roadman make of the victory over the Moby Roadmen
8: yeah, Declan uh, good to win the league um, we tried a lot of players over the course of the league so it was uh, good to uh get to the final other results went away which allowed us obviously to get into the final so look very conscious obviously uh, against the Nafina team that unfortunately for themselves today they got picked up a few injuries and uh, to key players and uh, you know we just scraped over the line in the end but good to win it yeah absolutely
1: Is that a good as first half as you'd seen from your team throughout the course of the league to be leading what 13-7 at half time?
8: Yeah, they, they, they played well, Declan, but there was a huge win there uh, going down into the um, towards the estate there. So, uh, that you know, we got a couple of scores from distance and same with Nafine in the second half. So the wind it was a very even half. The win, just a couple of long-range scores kind of put us a couple ahead at half time, So the win was a big factor, definitely.
1: But well, pleasing from a defensive point of view, the way generally you were able to repel them in the second half. Yeah,
8: for sure, and uh, look, uh, obviously we gave away the penalty there at the end, but um, no, from a defensive point of view, they, they did well, and uh, you know, that, that, was a, that was a pleasing aspect for sure. And
1: not only silverware at stake tonight, David, which you will bring back to the furhouse House Road, but also a major championship boost ahead of that, start of the championship in a fortnight's time. Yeah, look, I mean, it's
8: chalk and cheese, Declan, the championship uh, and the league, there always was, and... Uh, that starts next weekend, our next Wednesday, and, and I mean, there's a there's a serious team, and Oliver Plunkett's coming down the tracks, and we know that. And uh, so, I mean, we need to get our heads on that straight away, and uh, for sure. So we know what's ahead of us, and we'll work towards that next Wednesday.
1: Yes, plenty of good quality club hurling to look forward to over the next couple of months. Well done to David Curtin and Ballybowden there. Uh, just the Dublin Masters, by the way, we have to mention these guys, they took on Louth in Croke Park, or Croke Park, Parnell Park it was, last Wednesday evening. 2.26 to 14 they ran out winners. And finally on the news front, Dublin ladies footballers travel to Ballybofey next Sunday for their quarterfinal in the TJ Carter All-Ireland Championship. We knew they were going to have to go away to Donegal. The only question was where. Ballybofey is the answer. Two o'clock next Sunday afternoon again a preview of that in the program next week now 10 years ago yesterday i was sitting in the crow's nest in crow park enjoying one of my finest days as a sports broadcaster even, yes, the six in a row of football, I would put it on a par with that. Dublin Hurlers captured the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship title with a 2.25 to 2.13 victory in front of 36,657 fans at Croke Park. Their first Leinster title in 52 years. Paul Ryan scored 2-7 that day and he togged out for Bowden the other night against Nafina in that league final that you've just heard about there from O'Toole Park. Now, absolutely delighted to welcome a player and a member of the backroom staff uh, to the programme this morning to have a, a little look back on that great day. First of all, David Dotzio O'Callaghan, who scored four points, joins us on the phone. Good morning to you, David.
6: Jack, how, how are you doing? Ah, buzzing,
1: buzzing, Dave. You know, I've been planning this for a long time and uh, looking forward to having a chat with yourself and Kieran Hederton, who's with us in the studio here, and indeed Sean Lane over the next uh, few minutes as well. And it's a very good morning and welcome to Kieran,
5: by the way, as well. Morning, Declan. How are things? Great,
1: great, great to have you with us both. Um, 7th of July 2013, but let's look. Let's go back a little bit further than that. The Kilkenny games, uh, you drew with them, then you beat them in the replay in uh, Leash. An electric atmosphere, Kieran, coming out of the ground that night. Everyone was absolutely full of the joys of life. And why not? Because you'd beaten the Cats and people said, Kilkenny, don't win or don't lose replays.
5: Absolutely. It was an amazing atmosphere and you see the crowd on the pitch, like you know, you can still feel it there today, you can you can still see them out on the pitch and we were trying to keep the players in the dressing room and keep them away from it. And obviously there's the amazing photograph of Anthony and Dotsie coming down the tunnel, like you know what I mean? Like so it's just great memories, but we were just trying to keep the players grounded. To obviously we the, eight days later we had the a Leinster final to play, like so we just wanted to keep them grounded and keep them away from all the the we celebrations outside and obviously a bit we were inside, they were Quite muted, I can tell you.
1: Yeah. That's you saying you were quite excited yourself?
5: A little bit excited, yeah, yeah, sure. Anthony was the common influence, which wouldn't normally be the case. But, uh. yeah.
1: So, David, you were facing into that Leinster final then on the first uh, week in July, the 7th of July, uh, against Galway, um, an experienced enough team. But the belief and the confidence in, in that team, I, I got the sense that you just felt you just weren't going to be beaten in that game. Is that fair?
9: Yeah, I think so, Dick. Like if if you like, we had beaten Galway. I suppose the previous few years we had kind of taken steps and taken scalps um, where we hadn't been in previous years. So Galway we had beaten in Tullamore in 2011, the Leinster semi-final, another great day and kind of step for us. But so we we had that in our locker as well. But the big one getting over them was Kenny. It had been so long, and a lot of us had been on the end of trimmings there as well. So I think that we were coming into that week. Um, really primed as well after a run of games against Wexford and Kilkenny as well. So, um, I think the big thing for the management, as Hedjo was saying there, uh, they kind of took us down during the week. And in previous years, maybe we'd had a big victory and, and maybe saw them a little bit flat. So, we just couldn't afford to not go on and, and claim claim the, the silverware after such a scalp down, down in Port Leash, you know. So, I think that the Wednesday session was really tough. And they kind of, you know, got us really getting stuck into each other and ripping into us. And again, like this day and age now, you wouldn't probably see it to be more rest and recovery. But we kind of, they wanted to bring us back down to earth. And I suppose the the management done well in that regard. And we were kind of ready, ready to to get into the, the actual hurling rather than the sideshow of anything else, you know. So I think we were really, really focused coming into it
1: on the hard physical work had obviously been done and everyone was fitting well, I think, going into that game, thank God, at the time. But, I mean, from, from the mental side of things, you know, you'd beaten Kilkenny in a replay, which was huge to qualify for this final, but then you knew you had to go out, and the lads had to go out and back it up on, on the pitch. So th- how much time was spent talking to, to people individually during the course of the, the build-up to that final?
5: Well, I think that goes back to... I thought you were saying there, there's bricks in the road and you build your bricks in the wall and all that, like, you know what I mean? But we had not lost to Galway in the championship match, even in Tullamore, where they was their home venue because they couldn't play outside Leinster. So we'd bet them in 2009, 2011, you know what I mean? So when we came then to 13, it was just a matter of saying, we've done this already, so we just had to keep it going. We hadn't lost to Galway in the championship while we were in charge, like, you know what I mean? So, so it was great. So we knew we could beat them. It was just a matter of getting the heads right. And once we got that belief into the players, they just took it to the pitch and carried out the game plan, which was great, like, you know what I mean, and obviously, the day that was in this, the sun was shining, everybody was in great form, we hadn't got time to think, we were only a week to think from the the replay against Glikennie to the Galway game, so we didn't really have that much time to worry about it, or let people get into our heads and all that, so we kept ourselves in our own little bubble, we trained on the Wednesday night in Castle Knock, and that was it then, and it was just recovery, and it was less was, was best at that stage. Yeah.
1: I uh, was speaking to, to Mick Bowen before All-Ireland Finals and they, like he, he got the players used to the to, to the drills and all that kind of stuff that happened on such occasions. OK, this wasn't an All-Ireland Final but it was still a pretty massive mm. occasion for this group. You mentioned Paul Ryan there. And great to see him hurling for Bowden the other night. Mm. Still against Nafina at the top level in in the county. But two goals and seven that night for him and uh, four points for our friend on, on the phone here as well.
5: Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And Ryan, it was really going well. Like and you know, a couple of months before that, Reiner was thinking of giving it up and he was saying, oh, I'm going to give it, up, and give it up and then Anthony had a chat with him and then he came out and said, look, I'm back, I'm nearly the captain of the team the way Anthony had a chat with him. So like, it was just, we knew the qualities of Reiner and we just had to keep him on board because he's a super finisher, as you say, he's still playing the night and probably top scorer as well as probably did. Like, you know what I mean? But, but he was just the goals he got, you see them there and. Yesterday on yeah. the Facebook and all that. It's great, like the goals he got and the skill that he has, like, you know what I mean? And he still has it, and that's what we wanted and that's what we had, and we knew we had that in the locker. It was just a matter of getting it out, and his first touches, brilliant as yeah. He, he turns your man, like, so it's great, like, you know.
1: Well, you were on the sideline with a, with a good friend of mine, Shane Martin, who from uh, Crumlin, of course, which we should mention his contribution to the overall success as well. But, Dotsie, you were on the pitch that day, as I say, you scored four points yourself. You had often come off pitches. Disappointed in a Dublin jersey, you know, with performances your own, perhaps, and also the teams. But that day, coming off the pitch, I mean, when the referee did blow the, the full time whistle, many emotions, I'm sure, go 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 through your head. Can you re- can you recall the moment when he did blow full time? Yeah,
9: I think I think actually I had been off for a couple of minutes, so I was kind of soaking it up on the sideline. And I remember RTE had collared me to maybe do a a post game pitch side interview, you know, and I'd agreed to that. But I think the whistle went and I kind of said, "Fact this. I wanted to soak it up and I just, uh, I left them behind anyway and ran onto the pitch and kind of just, you know, embraced fellow teammates and stuff. Yeah, so a real, a real kind of feeling of liberation really, you know. And as you said, they've been, they've been kind of, you know, I, I suppose, that I was lucky enough to be on football squads and i played in Leinster football finals and, you know, just, I suppose, to, to see to see it from a hurling. and, you know, to just to sample that from a hurling perspective was just massive. You know, and I suppose when you're when you're achieving something that hasn't been done in a lot in a long, long time, it's just extra kind of special. Um, but yeah, the the it was just it was just unbelievable feeling. Yeah, unbelievable.
1: First time in 52 years, and of course, Conor Keeney was immense. Danny Sutcliffe, who's still performing for the county team, was was outstanding as well. Kieran, we've spoken a lot, particularly since the death of the late great Jimmy Gray, about the presentation of the cup that day and the iconic picture of Jimmy presenting it to Johnny Mack, uh, captain of the team from Luke and SARS. That's a picture I'm sure that adorns quite a lot of walls. Maybe even one of your own at home, perhaps. Um, just iconic moment in Dublin GA.
5: Oh absolutely, yeah, yeah, it's great. And even to see the photographs in different clubhouses when you go in, like, you know, to see the we had the photographs, the the team photographs framed and, and put out in clubs and it was just brilliant to see them all and anywhere you go and Anthony I was referenced coming out in Parnell, looking at the old team that won the last lens the title, touching the photographs saying we'll be on this wall someday and, and that's always something we look aspire to do, like, you know what I mean? And obviously just not getting the final hurdle of the All Ireland title upset us, but like it was just um it's just one step too far and obviously James Owens had a <laughs> saying that, like, you know what I mean? that's another day's talk. But they, yeah, no, it was just great to great to see and great to make memories for the lads that they they're recognised around the county now because we had great support around the county from all the clubs, from sponsors and all that trying to get involved and look, winning breeds success and people want to go with a winning team. Like
1: finally, lads, from both your perspectives, um, the post-match celebrations I think are are legendary at this stage. I don't know how much you can tell or can't tell us about them this morning, but uh, considering... I
9: think I think there was a. I think there was every every generation of of a uh, popping around the nightclub anyway. From what I from what I can recall,
1: uh, nightclub.
5: Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, my mother was eighty three then, and they told her she was too old to go to Coppers, and she wasn't impressed. So. <laughs>
1: Good luck to them telling Mrs. Heddington she couldn't go to Coppers. Ah, <laughs> oh, lads, lads, it's, it, it was fantastic. And uh, then we like, went into the All-Ireland semi-final. We know what happened. We're not going to go trawl through that now This today. But uh, that game against Cork, I mean, you know, you were an hour 70 minutes away from an All-Ireland final. I mean, the footballers were flying that year as well. So who knows? I mean, the double might have been, even have been on. Uh, Dotsie? Yeah, yeah, no. I suppose, Tech, yeah. I
9: suppose, look, you'd, you'd look back, I suppose tried to look back on the positives and obviously there, there was that huge step but I suppose there was a little window there um, you know to potentially that year had really opened up as well with the, the four semi-finalists as well everyone kind of thought they had a massive chance of winning it so yeah disappointing and Hedjo maybe touched on touched on uh, a few decisions not going our way and, and obviously that was that was a fact I think so but look unfortunately it, it wasn't to be and kind of Unfortunately, haven't really the Dubs haven't got back to that to that to that stage, and I suppose that, you know the memories of that one is the full house in Coe Park and the the atmosphere in the stadium and stuff as well. And I suppose they're the they're the games that, as a player you you kind of dream of playing and and yeah, unfortunately didn't kind of get back to that to that stage, you know. So I think that's where you need to be getting for the for the game to really kind of kick on, and especially the you know the attention in Dublin as well. It's kind of them games are needed, you
1: know. Well, there's two things you have, David. Uh, one is the memories, obviously, and uh, the second one is the Leinster Championship medal. Do you know where it is?
9: Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't. To be honest with you, um, I've a lot. Or, I've a lot of medals back
1: you work so hard to win it, and you don't even yeah, know where it is. I
9: suppose medals to me now, I don't know. Maybe I might regret that, but I, I, I tend to just think of you know the memories or whatever. I don't really hold on to the. <laughs> yeah, it's it's somewhere. I'm sure it's somewhere. but I couldn't tell you where
1: it is I'll tell you for something something for nothing No, Colin if I want to lend a championship medal I'd have it pretty close to me that's for sure David a pleasure thank you very much indeed for for taking our call and um, going down memory lane with us on that we look forward to catching up with you at some of the club championship games over the course of the summer Thanks, sir. David Dotsie O'Callaghan there joining us on the line Kieran Hedidon is staying with us and we're going to bring in Sean Lane now our regular hurling analyst as well because it's the hurling semi-final weekend it gets underway this evening at Crow Park Galway taking on Limerick headquarters from 6 o'clock Kilkenny versus Clare tomorrow evening from 4 to contest the All-Ireland final Sean Lane good morning to you
0: morning uh, Declan did you enjoy that little reminisce? I did, yeah. None of them mentioned, Declan, that we won nine championships in, in about nine years between minors and seniors and Leinsters, which uh, built a, a huge uh, bundle of young lads that turned into great fantastic men and a a great day for, for Dublin mm, Hurling Okay,
1: unfortunately Dublin Hurling is not in the All-Ireland semi-final uh, this evening, um, that's because of course we lost to Clare last time out but Limerick and Galway this evening Sean, Limerick are like the old racehorse that keeps going back for that one last drink, aren't they? Um, and they're playing a Galway team revitalised after their victory over Tipperary in, in, in the quarter final. promises to be a cracker but the burning question is, will the champions still be standing this evening?
0: Well, that's the six-mark six mark question, Declan. Um, you'd, you'd have Look, everything comes to an end. I'm not suggesting for one second that Limerick are going to come to an end, but it has a couple of hallmarks. I, I mean, they're going to be without Declan Hannon. Keane Lynch isn't playing uh, anywhere near where they used. They're missing Sean Finn. They're playing against a team that gave them a really good run last year. They have five months of championship run in a row. They have three All-Irelands run in a row. Do you know, the motivational? look fine they might get it going but I haven't seen them at 100% this year now that's a good thing in the sense that they beat most teams uh, other than Clare uh, on the way but you know perhaps there just might be a day where Galway gave them a very good run last year if Galway were a little bit better and as I say Limerick are missing the couple of players um, you know we could be in for an upset here and I would acknowledge it's an upset on form I think Limerick should still get over the line but I'm actually going to side with Galway today on this one
1: there you go. Write that down, Joe. Sean says Galway. Kieran Hederton, um, still with us. Uh, Galway Limerick. Let's look at it from the Galway perspective, Kieran. They responded very well to the le- shock of the Leinster final defeat, or the manner of it at least, against Kilkenny with the victory o- over Tipperary. How impressed have you been with Shefflin Mark Two in Galway this year?
5: Yeah, it was just um, just come back to that Leinster final the last 30 seconds like the panic that set in in the corner back position like you know what I mean like so was three of them mishandled the ball and then Portmanian P- kicks the ball away you know and straight through Kenny he puts it in the back of the net so they couldn't see that coming so in fairness they should have been Leinster champions and all the way straight through so they just didn't get over the line that day and then obviously he came out against Tip then and had a good game against Tip and Tip had had a fast win against Carlo and, or against sorry Offaly like you know what I mean so it was just it was hard to see Tip being at their best against Galway. So like Galway got over Tip, but now they're into Limerick. Like you know what I mean? But they showed a bit of fight that day against Tip. They were fighting for the ball. They were putting their bodies on the line, which we haven't seen from Galway teams in a couple of years. So you can see the Henry influence there. But like it's it's another step up playing against Limerick. You know what I mean? And that dog eat dog with Limerick, every one of them on the line. Like you see, Gerard Hegarty, named the number seven. Can you see him starting there? I can't, you know what I mean? But who goes back there? Because everybody else is a forward bar. Somebody from the line comes in. So so it's hard to see how they're going to beat Limerick, you know what I mean? Because they're such big players and strong players. But, like, there is a chance, always a chance. Like, you know what I mean? If you've got Conor Wheeling on the pitch, you've always a chance, you know? And it's. I just think the midfield battle from 45 to 12, if they can stick with them and if dog it out there they certainly have a chance
1: ok well the second semi-final takes place uh, tomorrow afternoon it's Clare and the Cats of Kilkenny saw uh quote attributed to David Herity saying that the Master had gone and there's much happier camp in Kilkenny. Question is though, Sean, have they enough to qualify for the uh, All-Ireland Final again tomorrow evening?
0: Yeah, that's a very hard one to call as well Declan. I mean, Clare have been playing well and, and had a very, very good Munster Championship. But I, I said it earlier a couple of weeks back, Declan, you know, Kilkenny and Galway to me seem to be playing a different system than what's in Munster. I think the way they set out their stalls during the Leinster Championship, they just took games. If they they didn't put huge emphasis on them i watched the kilkenny um uh, galway game in nolan park and sure look it was only like a, a bad league game but you know they they're both in the they all in the all semi-finals they're they're at the business end of it from a kilkenny point of view very strong at the back, Hugh Lawler, Paddy Deegan is, is in there, um, Richie Reid is back, Mikey Butler sm- got a smashing goal in the Leinster final. They're not going to be easily beaten there uh, and up front, you know, if Owen Cody is, is, is flying up front, and I, I don't think I ever thought I'd say this, but if they get a little bit more out of TJ Reid from play, um, I, I, I give Kilkenny a tremendous champ of get, champ, a chance of getting over Clare here.
1: Kieron, Kilkenny or Clare to qualify for the final tomorrow?
5: Uh, I'd have to go with Kilkenny as well. I just can't see Clare. Um, Conor Cleary has started number three, and John Connolly six. And I can't see the two of them starting if they do. It's probably the f- they're going to be struggling with injuries. Obviously, Aidan McCarthy not in the twenty six at all it's a big loss to them too. So, um, looking at the Kilkenny team, I'd say Paddy Deegan will probably pick up Tony Kelly, and that's going to nullify him. He's a hard man to get away from. So, you know, I just can't see Clare getting over the line on this one, unfortunately.
3: Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend. <laughs>